إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so we got to this doubt which is doubt number five. فَإِنْ قَالَ So if he was to say أَتُنْكِرُ شَفَاعَةَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَتَتَبَرَّأُ مِنْهَا If he was to say to you So do you deny the intercession of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and do you declare your innocence of it? Because remember, so far up to this point, we have clarified that the mushrikun used to worship all different types of deities. And it wasn't just idols and statues. They used to worship the stars and the sun and the moon and the righteous people and the prophets and the messengers and the angels they used to call upon all types of things all types of a variety of deities for them as they believed and so after explaining all those affairs if the individual turns around and says okay so what are you saying are you saying there is no intercession then are you denying the intercession of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Are you denying it and declaring your innocence of it? So then what do we say to that? If he tells us or attempts to bring this line of argument that everything you're saying, all of these refutations of yours, they're essentially negating intercession. So do you therefore reject the intercession of the messenger then? Is that what you're trying to say to me? He may say to you. Are you basically rejecting the intercession of the messenger? Are you declaring your innocence of the intercession of the messenger? And in brief, are we? Of course not. Because we know that there are different types of intercession and everything we've been talking to this individual about has been regarding the negated intercession. The intercession that we know is impermissible and incorrect. But there is a type of intercession that is permissible and correct and valid. So his argument is again very broad. Are you rejecting the intercession of the messenger then? Because we've been telling him you can't call upon prophets and messengers. You can't even call upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he was the best of mankind. The head of all of the prophets and messengers. He is the one 
who will do the intercession on the day of judgment when no other prophets and messengers can even do it in certain occasions. But he is not someone who we call upon and make dua to because dua as we've already established is an act of worship and any act of worship can only be done to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Acts of worship are not done for anyone else besides Allah. Not even to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is a messenger, but he is also abduhu. Don't we say, ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. That we testify Muhammad is the servant of Allah and his messenger. This is the balance that we believe in the great status of the messenger. He is the best of all of the prophets and messengers. He is from the Ulil Azam at the head of them. And then after him comes Ibrahim alayhi salam and then Musa alayhi salam and then Isa alayhi salam. And then Nuh alayhi salam, at the head of them is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Khalilullah, the highest level of love, the beloved to Allah, and the Kalimullah, the one who Allah spoke to directly, the final messenger, the seal of all of the prophets and messengers. But he is not at the station of Ar-Rububiyyah or Al-Uluhiyyah because Allah has told us that He is not and the Messenger Himself has told us He is not and He has commanded us or rather prohibited us from worshipping Him or calling upon Him and raising Him. In a hadith, the Prophet wasallam Himself said, لا تطروني do not raise me up as the Christians they did with Isa alayhi salam. The Christians they raised Isa alayhi salam to such a level that they began to say he is God. He is one of the Trinity. He is God. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam said, don't raise me up like the Christians did with Isa alayhi salam. In another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Do not take my grave as a place of repetitive and regulated and consistent visitation. The Salaf, they never used to visit the grave of the Messenger on a regular fixed schedule as the people do these days. The Prophet ﷺ said, do not take my grave as a place of regular visitation because the graves are not places of worship. Some of the Salaf, they even used to dislike standing at the grave of the Prophet ﷺ facing the qibla and making dua. Is there anything wrong in and of itself to be stood near the grave of the messenger facing the qibla, not facing the grave, 
facing the qibla and making dua, is there anything wrong with that in and of itself? No. You are facing the qibla, you're making your dua to Allah, raising your hands in the direction of the Kaaba, the qibla, making dua to Allah. But you happen to be right there at the grave of the Prophet. Some of the Salaf used to dislike even that. Because they used to say, if the commoners see us making dua near the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, even though we are facing the Qibla, and we're making the dua to Allah facing the Qibla, just because we're near the grave, the commoners might think that there's some extra virtue and there's something from the Prophet, and maybe the Prophet helps your dua to be answered, go and make it next to his grave. They used to dislike even standing there to make dua to, the, uh, to Allah facing the qibla. Their action was legitimate, but the image that it may lead to, the people seeing them making dua near the grave, they may think maybe that's something special. Maybe the messenger helps your dua to be answered if you make it near the grave. So they used to even dislike that. So here, when this individual says to you, are you rejecting the intercession of the messenger? Then a general answer, we say, of course not. Because there are different types of intercession, different types of shafa'ah. What we've been discussing with him so far, and refuting him for, and rejecting his actions, were the type of intercession that he does, the mushrikun do, which is impermissible, calling upon the dead and calling upon the angels, calling upon the messengers. But this intercession, another type, we affirm that the messenger will do intercession. So that is a general uh, reply or a general understanding that everybody is already aware of regarding the affairs of intercession and acceptable intercession and impermissible intercession. But then we'll see what is mentioned here. فَإِنْ قَالْ أَتُنْكِرُ شَفَاعَةَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَتَتَبَرَّأُ مِنْهَا If he says to you, are you rejecting the intercession of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and declaring your innocence from it? هَذَا شَأْنُ أَعْدَاءِ اللَّهِ الْقُبُورِيِّينَ إِذَا أُنْكِرَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْبَاطِلِ قَالُوا هَذَا إِنْكَارٌ لِلْحَقِّ وَإِذَا أُنْكِرَ عَلَيْهِمْ دُعَاءُ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ قَالُوا هَذَا إِنْكَارٌ لِلْشَفَاعَةِ Sheikh Ibrahim Ali Sheikh mentions that this is the way of the people who worship graves, the grave worshippers. If you reject upon them the falsehood they are upon, they will say, you are rejecting the truth. And if you tell them that making dua to others besides Allah is impermissible, they will begin saying to you, you are rejecting intercession then. Broad statements like that. And of course we are not. Min sha'ni ahli al-batil al-mushabbihina ahli al-shirk al-mubahatuhu al-mubahatatu wa ilbasuhum so this is the way of the people of deviation, the people of shirk, that they will try to confuse you by mixing truth with falsehood. 
And that, as we said right at the beginning of this book, is the very nature of a doubt. What is a shubha? A shubha, a doubt, is where there is truth in it. But it's mixed up with falsehood, so you can't determine where the truth is, where the falsehood is. Is it correct? Is it wrong? Because there is truth mixed in with all of that falsehood. So it becomes doubtful. That's what a doubt is. If it was complete falsehood, there's no doubt. Somebody comes to you now and says, take some interest. I can get you a loan, but it's interest based. Instantly you know that's haram. There's no doubt there. But then all of a sudden they start coming to you and saying, oh no, but it's an investment. It's this, it's that. And then you do this and then you do that and then you get your money back. All of a sudden now it's starting to look like maybe it's a legitimate Islamic contract. But then you're noticing how the figures aren't adding up. You're going to borrow this much and you're going to end up paying back that much. And so now all of a sudden it starts to become doubtful because that interest, they've mixed it up in all of these other contracts and this and that and stipulations and terms. And all of a sudden now you don't know. It sounds like Islamically that's okay and that's okay and that's okay. But on the other hand, these figures don't add up. That looks like interest. Then it becomes doubtful. Because there is truth involved in there. And there is some falsehood involved in there. So now it becomes murky and it becomes a doubt. That's what a doubt is. And that's the purpose and intention of these doubts. That they will bring to you statements of truth. And affairs of truthfulness. But then they mix those or they incorrectly interpret those to something false. But because there was some truth in them or some basis to them, then all of a sudden it becomes a doubt. It's like this now. Shafa'ah. We are telling them you cannot seek the shafa'ah of the dead. You cannot seek shafa'ah from the angels. You cannot seek shafa'ah from the prophets and messengers. We're rejecting all of that shafa'ah upon them. You can't take shafa'ah from this, from that, from this, from that. So then they turn around and say, okay, so you're just rejecting shafa'ah then? You're therefore rejecting the shafa'ah of the messenger too then? And maybe a person becomes confused. You've just spent all of this time refuting this shafa'ah that he's seeking. And so at the end when he says, well, therefore, therefore, based upon everything you've said, you must be rejecting the shafa'ah of the messenger too. So maybe a person becomes confused. Because he knows this shafa'ah with the dead is impermissible and with the angels and with this and with that. And then this issue comes up, are you rejecting the shafa'ah of the messenger? Calling upon the messenger now, seeking shafa'ah now is impermissible. So then maybe you become confused. Is it impermissible? Am I rejecting the intercession of the messenger then? Has he ended up catching me out? So now all of a sudden it becomes doubtful. So then the Shaykh says, how do you reply though? How do you clarify this and make it clear? فَقُولْ So say to him, لَا أُنْكِرُهَا I do not reject the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ. Straightforward answer. لَا أُنْكِرُهَا We do not reject the intercession 
of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wala atabarra'u minha and neither do I declare my innocence of it so we do not reject the intercession of the messenger we do not declare our innocence of the intercession of the messenger وَهِيَ أَصْلٌ لِأَهْلِ التَّوْحِيدِ دُونَ غَيْرِهِمْ بَلْ أَنَا وَأَمْثَالِ أَرْجَى لِشَفَاعَتِهِ لِكَوْنِ مُتَمَسِّكًا بِسُنَّتِهِ So we tell him, we do not reject the intercession of the messenger, we do not declare our innocence from that, rather we hope and we consider that we will be at the forefront of those who receive the intercession of the messenger. Rather, we consider that we will be at the forefront of those who receive the intercession of the messenger. Completely turned it around upon him. We are not rejecting it or declaring our innocence of it. Rather, we believe we will be at the forefront, inshallah, of the intercession of the messenger in receiving it. بَلْ هُمُ الْمَحْرُومُونَ لِكَوْنِهِمْ تَعَلَّقُوا بِأَذْيَالٍ لَا تُوَصِّلُهُمْ بَلْ هُمْ تَرَكُوا سَبَبَ شَفَاعَتِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم And they, the mushrikun, they are the ones who have distanced themselves from the intercession of the messenger because to receive the intercession of the messenger on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment to receive the intercession of the messenger, it requires that a person in this world be upon tawheed and obedience and following the sunnah. They are the ones who will receive the intercession of the messenger on that day. But as for the one who is not upon Qur'an, not upon Sunnah, not upon Tawheed, then how does he expect to be from those who will receive the intercession of the Messenger when they live their lives in opposition to the Sunnah of the Messenger? So they have abandoned and they have distanced themselves from being from those who will receive that intercession. بَلْ هُوَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الشَّافِعَ الْمُشَفَّعَ وَأَرْجُ شَفَاعَتَهِ So we say rather, rather the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, he is the one who intercedes. He is the one who will be given that intercession. And that is something established in the narrations, established in the revelation that the Prophet ﷺ will intercede on the day of judgment for the people. And there are different types of intercession that will occur on the day of judgment. Some of them are general intercessions that others can do as well on that day. Like the believers, the believers will be able to do intercession on that day for their other believing brothers and sisters. Like in the narrations where the believers will say, such and such used to pray with us, 
and do Hajj with us and fast with us, etc. But he's in the hellfire, so then it will be said to them, go and remove him. So via their intercession now with Allah, they are aiding their brothers and sisters on that day. And there is the intercession of the angels on that day for the believers. And then there will be the intercession also of the Prophet ﷺ, which is specific to him in certain cases on that day. On the day of judgment, certain types of intercession, only the messenger will be able to do them. One example is, on the day of judgment, when the sun is brought close to within a mile of the earth, and the heat and the sweat of the people drowning in their sweat, some of them, and the calamity and the fear that they experience. So then it's mentioned how they say, when they look at each other, and they see this calamity they're in, and then they say, Ama tarawna ma nahnu fihi. They say to each other, can you not see what calamity we're in? Find someone who can do intercession for us. Meaning somebody who can speak on our behalves with Allah to remove us from this difficulty. So they go to the prophets and messengers. They go to Adam salam, Ibrahim salam, Isa salam, Musa salam. They go to the prophets and messengers. And none of them are able to do that intercession until they come to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he is the one then who is able to make that intercession. In another example, when everything is finished on the day of judgment, and the people who are going to go to paradise, after all the judgment is done, and they are now at the gates of paradise ready to go in, when they get to the gates of paradise, they see that, they see that, the gates are closed. When they come to the gates of paradise, the gates of paradise are closed. So then again, they look for someone who can do shafa'a for them, who can speak on their behalves with Allah for the gates of paradise to be opened so they may enter. So they go to the different prophets and messengers again until none of them are able to do that intercession and they finally come to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he is the one who does that intercession for the gates of paradise to be opened. It's mentioned in some of the narrations regarding those types of intercession or some of them that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam goes before Allah and falls into prostration before Allah, before the throne of Allah. And then it is said to him, after the messenger is in prostration, it is said to him, Irfa' ra'saka, raise your head, sal tu'ata, ask, ask for what it is you wish and you will be given. Ishfa' tushaffa', seek the intercession and you will be granted that intercession. So we certainly believe that there is intercession. And we certainly believe that there are other types of intercession that are incorrect and false. We believe in these examples as some of the examples that we've mentioned there. They will occur and that is real. The intercession that will occur on the day of judgment. 
But what the mushrikun are upon is something completely different. Calling upon the dead now, that is not an intercession that is permissible. Calling upon the angels now with the dua, the salihun, the righteous, the pious, the messengers, calling upon them, that is not intercession that is permissible. And I've mentioned many a time before, that story, which is always relevant to this chapter. One of our teachers in Medina once mentioned, he used to be a security guard at the grave of the Prophet One of our teachers who taught us, told us this story himself. He himself used to be a security guard at the grave of the Prophet They have security there to make sure nobody's coming and prostrating to the messenger or doing anything like that. They stop the people doing those things and move them along. So he was one of those guards once. And he said one day, somebody came, well, there are two separate stories with this. One day somebody came, you know, the misk, the itar, you know, the fragrance that you buy uh, in the small tubes, the uh, uh, glass tubes, the misk, the itar, the perfume. He said somebody came, not with the small tube. If you've been to Umrah, you've been to Saudi, when you buy that from the shop, they fill it up from what? Big a big uh, metal container, like a liter big or two liters big. They pour it out into the small glass bottles that you buy. They pour it out to that. Somebody came with the big liter or two liters, whatever it is. Came with the big jar one day and came with it to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. Ya Rasulullah. Through all of that fragrance, like my love for the messenger, fragrance, came and threw all of that fragrance, poured it in, threw it in like that. My love for the messenger of Allah. And the, the teacher who was telling us this story himself, he was the God. He said half of it fell onto my thobe when he was pouring this, imagine like a, a juice now, a liter juice, pouring it, two liter juice, pouring it, liquid going everywhere, the, the fragrance. He said, half of it came onto my thobe, and I don't know how long, he said, months afterwards it stayed on there. Pouring that much onto your thobe, wash it, wash it, it's not coming out. And somebody saying, my love for the messenger, pouring it in. In another occasion, the same teacher he mentions, another story when he was the God there, that on one occasion somebody came, this is the one I've mentioned many a time before, somebody came with a piece of paper, on that piece, well, he had folded up the piece of paper and he came and posted it. MashaAllah. Because you know the grave of the messenger where it is sectioned off, sectioned off, but the front section is like a, like a cage type of thing. You can, it, you can put your hands and fingers through it. So somebody came and posted a letter through it. So our teacher, he said, he picked it up at the end. He was the security there. Picked it up at the end, opened it up. It was like an A4 piece of paper. At the top was a passport size photograph of the man himself who had thrown it in. Passport size photograph of himself stuck down with his name. My name is such and such and such and such. And I am uh, this many years old and I live here, I live there. A small two or three lines biography. Then below him, below his picture, a picture of his wife. Passport size photograph of his wife. And then her name, and this is my wife, and X, Y, and Z, and all of the details there, two or three lines. And below that, two or three more passport-sized photographs of his children. 
And then at the bottom of it all, all of this CV, at the bottom of it, Ya Rasulullah, you can see above my family, this is my family, my wife, my children, we are in need, O Messenger. My family here, you can see them, O Messenger, with the passport size photographs there. You can see them, O Messenger, we are in trouble, we are in need, we are in this, we are in that. Madad Ya Rasulullah, help us, O Messenger of Allah. And then that letter folded up with the passport size photographs on there, folded up with the biographies, everything posted in. Ya Rasulullah, help us, this is my family. This is what is rejected in terms of intercession. That is rejected. That is completely false. That is from the affairs of shirk. <clears throat> Calling upon the messenger in this way. So there is a clear, distinct difference between the shafa'a or so-called shafa'a that the mushrikun are upon and they believe in and they do that we are rejecting upon them. And the shafa'a of the messenger that will occur and of the believers and of the angels that will occur on the day of judgment that they will make intercession for the believers. There is a distinct difference between them. And we've mentioned many a time before the conditions of the accepted shafa'a and that of the rejected shafa'a. The accepted shafa'a has how many conditions? How many? Two. Two? What are they? Everybody agree there are two for a start? How many first? Does everybody agree there are two conditions or more or less for the accepted shafa'a? Three? So how many? Two or three? Or more or less? So what's your two? Who said two? So the person seeking the intercession has to be upon Tawheed and the one who he is seeking it on behalf of must also be a person of Tawheed and that would not be enough for it to be acceptable Shafa'ah. Who said three? What would be the third? That's what he said. Being pleased with the actions and speech of the one doing it and the one who it's being done for, that's the person being upon Tawheed. Because being pleased with the actions of a person, Allah is only pleased with the actions of the people of Tawheed, those who are upon Tawheed, and their actions are upon Tawheed. So that's the same. But the other one is... They're saying it, somebody was Allah's saying it. Permission. The permission of Allah. It's mentioned the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why you can summarize the two that you mentioned into one. It can be summarized into one that Allah is pleased with the one making the intercession and the one whom the intercession is being made for. That could be summarized into one condition and the other condition being that it must be by the permission of Allah. If you break it up into three conditions, then you can say, that Allah is pleased with the one making it, Allah is pleased with the one who it's being made for, and Allah has given His permission upon it, then it becomes three. So those are mentioned 
For example, in the Quran, everybody will know, مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ That who is it that can intercede with him except by his permission? Where has Allah given you permission to go and call upon the dead in their graves? Where has Allah given you permission to call upon the angels? Where has Allah even given you permission to call upon the grave of the messenger? One of the best examples and evidences that calling upon the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam is impermissible and making dua at his grave asking him to take your dua to Allah is impermissible. One of the best examples and evidences they give is during the time when the Prophet ﷺ was alive, did the companions used to go to him for intercession? Meaning for him to make dua for them. Did they used to go to him and ask him, make dua for us for this and for that? Did they used to do that? Yes. Absolutely they did. And the famous example of when there was a drought, when there was a drought and a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him to make dua because there was a drought and everything was dying and the animals were dying. And so the Prophet ﷺ made the dua and it started raining and raining and raining until the next time, a few days later, next week, the man came back and he said, now there's so much rain that things are being destroyed by the rain. So then the messenger made dua for the rain to be pushed aside to the other areas, valleys and mountains and here and there, so that the animals and the other crops and things wouldn't die. So the point is from that narration, they used to go to the messenger and ask him to make dua. But when he died, and that example was an example of when there was drought, so they went to the messenger to ask him to make dua. He made the dua, and before the man even exited the mosque, the clouds were there and it began raining. After the Prophet ﷺ died, there is an example of where another drought occurred. And this time, the companions who loved the messenger more than anyone else, more than anybody else, they loved the messenger. They fought with the messenger. They made hijrah with the messenger. They loved him and they recognized his status and the final messenger and they were with him and the revelation coming upon him. Yet when he died and they needed to make dua, to do the prayer, to do the dua for the rain on an occasion, did they go to his grave and say, Ya Messenger, Ya Rasulullah, make the dua again or bring the rain for us or take our dua to Allah about the rain for us? They did not. Instead in the narration it says they went to Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet the point in that is, who is superior? Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet or the messenger The messenger of course. So now if you've got an option, if you've got an option between asking the messenger or asking Abbas, then obviously you ask messenger. Would the companions have ever decided we have an option between the messenger and Abbas Let's go to Abbas. Is that even something you can consider in your mind? Impossible. So why did they go to Abbas then? 
The only explanation is because they didn't have an option. They didn't have an option. Going to the messenger wasn't an option. It wasn't an option. If it was an option, then there's no other options to consider. The messenger is superior to everyone. If that was an option, they wouldn't have even considered anybody else. Go to the grave and ask the messenger straight away. But that wasn't an option. So then they started looking, okay, who? Abbas, the relative of the messenger, ask him. Because the messenger and going to his grave and asking him wasn't an option. If that was an option, then you are basically saying the companions decided, forget that option, let's go to one of the companions instead. Would they have ever done that? Impossible. This proves that they knew that they could not go and ask the messenger after he had died. Proves that they knew they could not go to the grave of the messenger وسلم, and ask him about the rain and to take their dua to Allah. They knew they couldn't do that. They knew that was not permissible. That's why they went to Abbas. That is clear. Because if anybody tries to say no, it was allowed and they just decided to go to Abbas, that's impossible. Why would the companions decide between the messenger and Abbas? Let's go to Abbas. Impossible. So the only reason they went to Abbas was because it wasn't an option to go to the grave of the messenger after he had died and ask him to make your dua to Allah and take your dua to Allah and ask for the rain. They knew that's not allowed. And so they went elsewhere. So this is the difference that we are highlighting to this individual. And so he mentions here now, وَلَكِنِ الشَّفَاعَةُ كُلُّهَا لِلَّهِ كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى So all of the intercession, it is for Allah. Just as Allah mentioned, قُلْ لِلَّهِ الشَّفَاعَةُ جَمِيعًا Say that all the intercession, it is for Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا تَكُونُ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ إِذْنِ اللَّهِ كما قال تعالى من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه and the shafa'a cannot occur except after the permission of Allah سبحانه وتعالى just as Allah said and who is there that can seek the intercession with him except with his permission ولا يشفع فِي أَحَدٍ إِلَّا بَعْدَ أَنْ يَأْذَنَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must give that permission. No intercession can be done for anyone except after the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is mentioned in the ayah. وَلَا يَشْفَعُونَ إِلَّا لِمَنِ ارْتَضَى That they cannot seek the intercession except with the one whom Allah is pleased. وَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ لَا يَرْضَى إِلَّا التَّوْحِيدِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with other than Tawheed. That is what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like it mentions in another hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves three affairs for you. And hates three affairs. 
from the three affairs that Allah loves for you, the first of them, أَن تَعْبُدُوهُ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا That you worship Him alone and do not associate partners with Him. That is at the head of them. And similarly, Allah said, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْهُ Whomsoever seeks a religion other than Islam, then it will not be accepted from him. Whomsoever seeks a religion other than Islam, then it will not be accepted from him. فَإِذَا كَانَتِ الشَّفَاعَةُ كُلُّهَا لِلَّهِ And so if this intercession, all of it is for Allah, وَلَا تَكُونُ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ إِذْنِهِ فَإِذَا كَانَتِ شَفَاعَةُ كُلُّهَا لِلَّهِ وَلَا تَكُونُ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ إِذْنِهِ وَلَا يَشْفَعُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَلَا غَيْرُهُ فِي أَحَدٍ حَتَّى يَأْذَنَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ وَلَا يَأْذَنُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا لِأَهْلِ التَّوْحِيدِ تَبَيَّنَ لَكَ أَنَّ الشَّفَاعَةَ كُلَّهَا لِلَّهِ اللهم لا تحرمني شفاعته اللهم شفعه فيا وأمثال هذا. So you explain to him that indeed all intercession is for Allah, and there is no intercession that is done except by the permission of Allah, after the permission of Allah, and nobody, not even the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم or other than him makes intercession for anyone until. After the permission of Allah in that. And Allah does not give permission except for the people of Tawheed. So then it will become clear to you that all of the shafa'a is for Allah. And I seek it from Him. And so I say, O oh Allah, do not deprive me of His intercession. 
Oh Allah, make him intercede for me. And the examples of this type of speech. So you are clarifying to him that there are different types of intercession. And these are the conditions for the acceptable type of intercession. And that is what we accept and we believe in and we seek. But as for you, this mushrik, then he is not upon the acceptable form of intercession whatsoever. He is not upon an intercession whereby Allah is pleased with that, or Allah has given permission for that. The only other thing to mention here is, regarding the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, Abu Talib, is it the case that the Prophet wasallam made intercession for him or not? It is the case that the punishment of Abu Talib will be reduced to the lowest level in hellfire, in some narrations mentioning how he will be upon the hot coals, such that his brain boils, and he will consider that to be the most severe, but it is from the lightest. So that was upon an intercession of the Prophet ﷺ for his uncle Abu Talib. However, we know that Abu Talib died as a disbeliever. Abu Talib died as a disbeliever. He did not die upon Islam. The narration is there. The hadith is there. When he was dying, the Prophet ﷺ went to him to try and convince him to accept Islam. But there were a couple of mushrikun there at the time and they managed to convince him to stay upon his shirk and he died upon that shirk. So then how is that intercession legitimate in comparison to the rulings that we've mentioned here now? Abu Talib clearly was not a person of Tawheed. So what do we say about that intercession? So that intercession is something specific to the Prophet ﷺ, just like on the Day of Judgment, when the people see the calamity and none of the messengers can do it, only the Messenger ﷺ does it, that is specific to him. When the Gates of Paradise intercession occurs, that is specific to him. There are certain types of intercession that occur which are recognized as specific to the Prophet So this one regarding the event of Abu Talib, that is something specific. Otherwise we know it is not permissible to make dua for the, for the mushrikun, those who have passed away from the mushrikun to make dua for them. As for the mushrikun who are alive now, is it permissible to make dua for them? Permissible that you ask Allah to guide them you ask Allah to bring them to the guidance and the truth and Islam. That type of dua is permissible. So then he says, فَإِنْ قَالَ If the person then says, النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ أُعْطِيَ الشَّفَاعَةُ وَأَنَا أَطْلُبُهُ مِمَّا أَعْطَاهُ اللَّهُ If he says basically, okay. He says, okay. So you affirm that the messenger has been given certain types of intercession. We've affirmed that now. He says, okay, 
So you affirm the messenger has been given intercession and he is going to do intercession. So he has been given intercession. We have to say to that, yes. He says, okay. The messenger has been given intercession. You've said yes to that. So I am simply seeking intercession from the one who has been given intercession. You've agreed with me the messenger has been given intercession. He will do intercession. So I'm seeking it from the messenger. And you're in agreement with me, he's been given intercession. And we are in agreement that the messenger has been given intercession. He will do intercession, even some specific forms of intercession. Yes, we say yes to that. So he says, Khalas, if you're saying yes to that, I'm only seeking intercession from the one who you agree has been given intercession. He might turn around and say to you, okay, he's not going to go to the awliya. He's not going to go to the angels. He's not going to go to anybody else. But you agree the messenger, I'll go to the messenger, he says. So now again, for the commoner that may become doubtful. Because the commoner may think, okay, we affirm that the messenger has got intercession. He will do intercession on the day of judgment, of course. And this person is now saying, well, okay, I'm just going to the messenger. And you agree with me, he's been given intercession. So what's wrong with me seeking that from him? So now he may go to this type of angle. And if he goes to that type of angle, the shaykh gives the answer to that as well. But we'll begin that from next session, which will be doubt number six then. How to reply to that angle regarding the intercession that he is only seeking it from the messenger. And the messenger is clearly somebody who Allah is pleased with. So then he may begin to bring those types of doubts. And we'll begin with that next week, inshaAllah ta'ala. Any questions or anything else to add? You mentioned about bias and the drought, etc. If someone was to claim because I'm going to go to the same individual because he claims he has lineage going back to the Prophet, and I'm going to go to him and ask him, I want um, certain things in my life because he has the lineage and he's alive, but I'm not going to the Prophet because he's passed away. Lineage to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam along with a lot of other things for many people the claim uh, may not be anything more than a claim of course the family of the Prophet ﷺ is known and recognized but many people today who claim that then it doesn't really go beyond a claim it's like uh, how the people claim these days that they have the hair of the Prophet ﷺ. and I've heard never had the honor of experiencing it, maybe some of you in your older days, that sometimes in some of these mosques, they bring a big chest, like a treasure chest type of thing. A big chest like that, and they open it up, and they say, this is the hair. That is a strand of hair from the Prophet ﷺ. Who knows where they got it from? Strand of hair from the Messenger, mashaAllah. Absolute lies. Others, they say, there is a claim as well that goes around that somebody still has or people still have the shawl of the Prophet Sallallahu Like, uh, you know, the shawl, like a cardigan type of thing. The shawl of the Prophet Sallallahu The cotton shawl, some people still have that today. Ashaykh Rabi'ah, he mentioned this is all lies. All of these things people claim, their claim to fame, 
that we have the hair of the Prophet and we have the clothes of the Prophet. And they're all lies. These are lies that the people they make up. And even the lineage, it's often for many people nothing more than a claim. So that's the first thing to take note of. Just because somebody says they are a certain family name, and this family name is from the family of the Prophet ﷺ, it doesn't necessitate that. Even if it was the case, then that alone isn't a factor that determines the righteousness of a person. Then a person these days, they claim to be from the awliya of Allah. How many of them from the Sufis claim to be from the awliya of Allah? And in reality, they are from the worst of the people. It's mentioned in one of the other books of a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab in the six fundamental principles, how some of these so-called awliya of Allah get to such a level that they don't even have to basically do worship anymore. They believe they don't have to pray anymore. And some of them, they even used to claim that the angel came to me and said, we're not writing your deeds anymore, you're a free man. This cannot be the case. Did the angels ever come to Abu Bakr, or even to the messenger? Did they come to any of the prophets or companions? Are there any narrations where they came to Abu Bakr and said, you've reached such a level, you're a free man now, do what you want. Abu Bakr never got to that, but other people nowadays are getting to that. It is all lies and fabrications. So you don't just look at a person's claim like that. It requires a bit more detail and it requires looking into an individual. Is he actually righteous or is he from these corruption, people upon corruption? They don't even pray. They believe they've reached such a level they don't have to pray. So these claims, they need looking into a bit more. And it's not permissible for a person to just say, he's from the family of the Prophet. I'm going to go to him and make dua with him and ask him to make my dua. You have to look at the people, are they upon Tawheed in the first place or not, and the majority of them. You are misguided in affairs of basic Tawheed, let alone anything else. Anything else? Any other question or anything to add? The same argument be used for those who say that Prophet is still alive in his grave, like that they didn't go to him after he passed away to make dua to him. As an evidence that he's not alive? Yeah, that they went to the uncle instead of... No, I mean with the Prophet ﷺ not being alive now, uh, we have even stronger evidences than that. We have the evidence of the Qur'an, because Allah said in the Qur'an, it's mentioned in the Quran, let alone anything else. So the evidences for that are clear. And yes, this is another evidence to add on to that. If he was alive, then they would have gone to him. But he clearly was not alive. And that reminds me of the other thing which comes with the hair. In some of the mosques, apparently, again, narrations that I've heard, which I cannot independently verify but I'm sure certain people probably can, that they bring chairs or a chair in Ramadan and they put it into the corner of the mosque and they say the messenger comes and sits on the chair and watches us pray tarawih. This is again from the complete fabrications. If the messenger is there in the mosque sitting with you, then how dare this imam lead the prayer and the messenger is there?
How is this Imam daring to lead the prayer? And the messenger is there. Let the messenger lead the prayer. All of these fabrications they make up and all of these lies they make up, these misguidances and deviations, who has told them this and where have they got this from? So it is very important to learn aqidah. Very important to learn tawheed, to learn the basics of the religion, the evidences and the principles, because the misguidance is widespread. And that's why it's so important to gain this knowledge and the focus to be on this knowledge. Because ultimately on the day of judgment, the distinction that is made between the people will be upon this. The muwahidun on one side, the mushrikun on the other side. The people of Tawheed in paradise and the people of Shirk in hellfire. So that is what we'll round off today then. And inshallah ta'ala will resume next week at 8 p.m. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa